For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. This is Sunbelt Commissioner Keith Gill, and I listen to the Funbelt Podcast. This is the Funbelt Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Folks, the Dusty Thibodeau of Warhawk Report, Jeremy Harper of Howl Razor, and Shane Metlin of the Daily News Record. I think it's potentially a very good week for the Sunbelts. But I'm just kind of going off on a random rant. It, it's, it's just frustrating. It's... it's... <laughs> Uh. Hey, welcome back to Fun Belt Podcast. Guys, you look great. You look well-rested. Just like last week, I swear to God, you're taking your probiotics. You're taking your multivitamins. You're saying your prayers. You're lifting your weights. You're getting your cardio. Dusty, is all this true for you? Um, I, I stopped listening to anything you say because I looked at our recent numbers. Yeah. And... Guys, we are internationally known. We we are now having listeners to Fun Belt Podcast in Slovakia. Oh, all right. Georgia, home uh-huh. of Nika Miskaviliak. Yeah, don't the ULM me. wonder. Yeah. New Zealand, Cyprus. Okay. The Ukraine supporting the troops. Okay, good. Yeah, providing yeah, a little I mean, um... internationally known. Yeah. Well, that's great. You know, it's good that we spread the word of the Sun Belt across the nation. You know, Sun Belt Nation just isn't the 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 strip of land at the southern and eastern. Well, I don't know what else you'd call it, that southern strip of land in the United States. It's all over the world. And my I, listen, Dusty, I'm going to make it even better. I think it's it's all across the solar system. The Sun Belt Nation is a solar system wide football. Basketball, baseball conference. Shane, would you agree with that? Yeah. <laughs> you weren't listening either. Is this I, how this works? I start talking and you guys just tune out. You, you start looking so. on your iPads. You start looking on your iPhones. You start looking at scores. Dusty starts looking at demographics and analytics of the of the website. Is that what's happening? Bet online, which is actually my preferred betting platform continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs including pro and college hoops throughout the year with up-to-the-minute odds stats and trends you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs and with in-game live betting contests and all the best player props experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or your mobile devices. Head to Bet Online today to become part of the team and remember to use promo code BLEAV, that's B L E A V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, the game starts here. Speaking of taking whatever you can get, Sunbelt Player of the Year, Jordan McLeod. That's kind of mean. That's the kind of mean thing to say. Goes from JMU to the East, the fancy East Coast school, JMU, James Madison. Enters the portal transfer. Everybody kind of thought maybe he'd go to Indiana with Coach Signetti. Didn't happen. He sort of percolated in the portal for several months. And then suddenly, just out of the blue this morning, our good friend, Keith. Kef. Cardello. <laughs> announces, he thinks, he thinks there's a rumor floating around that that Jordan McLeod's going to Texas State. And then minutes later, big announcement. Sunbelt Player of the Year. 35 touchdowns passing, I think eight more on the ground. It's going to Texas State. After that whole quarterback debacle. Shane, what kind of quarterback is Texas State going to get? I mean, he's extremely talented. I think we all saw that. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, he... I don't know. It's it's hard to say. I think he's going to fit in that system 
well. I think he's going to put up big numbers. I think he's going to do fine. I mean, I think it's, I think it's a move that makes sense for both parties at this point. I don't think either Texas State or Jordan McLeod thought they'd get to late February, not knowing what they were doing, and you know it, it works out for them. Yeah, and you know I was joking with some of the Texas State guys, you know, because I I monitor the portal. I said there's still a pretty good quarterback out there, guys. After they lost, you know, um, the, their their starting quarterback. After they lost the guy that chased away the starting quarterback. Like there's still a couple guys in there, including McLeod, and we all kind of went, ha, 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 yeah, okay. And then it happened. Dusty, yeah. all I'm hearing from the Twitterverse, the Xverse, however you want to call it, is now Texas State's back again. How they're the favorites. I saw somebody say they were the favorites in the Sun Belt now. Dusty, why don't you make a more even-keeled statement on this? It depends. Okay. I, I still... I think Jordan McLeod is a great athlete. Sure. I think he's a good quarterback. Absolutely. But you have to see, mm-hmm. is he a Danny Werfel, i.e. he was a <laughs> system quarterback, or is he actually a guy that can carry those same stats, carry that same composure to San Marcos, where he's not going to have the same offensive line that James Madison had. He's not going to have the same running back tools that he had. Yes, he will have Maldi back. Yes, he'll have Lincoln Pear back. But is that going to be enough to supplement that they have to give the perception they're going to throw every down? I don't know. You know I, I think I think we got to see kind of how that starts to take uh, shape over the spring football uh, when the when the Viva La Boobcats break camp in the spring. You know, James Madison was blessed not only with that nice. Uh, uh, offensive line, but also really good wide receivers. Does the Bobcats have the same tools, shade in your opinion, that James Madison had for Jordan McLeod? I, I think the offensive line is probably the question there. JMU's offensive line last year was really good, really experienced, had played a ton of snaps together. Um, and that helped more cloud a lot. And, you know, Dusty says, is he a system quarterback? I wouldn't worry about that as much because he's going into another system where quarterbacks have success kind of wherever they come from. Um, I think, yeah, probably the offensive line he's going to play behind is a big, is a big issue. I don't know. I mean, not to say Texas state's not good. The offensive line. I just don't know. I don't know if they're as proven as JMU's was. There was no, no doubt about JMU's offensive line going into the season. And, you know, as far as the wide receivers go, they ended up being pretty good. But they were all brand new too. I don't. I it, you could debate whether that was McLeod making those guys look good or vice versa. So I mean, we'll see. I think he's going to have plenty of success at Texas State. Um, it's just you know, I kind of look at him as a guy though. He's going to be on his fourth school. Yes, and he's and he's done well. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like when you start talking about the portal, and I think these guys sh- should have the right to go play at four schools if they want to. But I also kind of wonder, like, you know, what if this guy would just stayed put? What if he'd have played four years at South Florida and stayed in a system for four Mm -hmm. years and learned it and got really, really good in one place? What would his career look like? And I think he's kind of a little bit of a, of a, I don't know, a little bit of a warning for people who just jump in the portal immediately when something changes within their own program. You know, Shane, that's a good point. You know, Dusty, you think about, you know, you look back in your childhood in your college or your own college days, and you think about these players that they're so identified with the school they went to. They, they built that legacy. You know, they built that legend for four years, five years, sometimes playing before the same fan base, you know, getting their number retired at the at the end of a long career. They go off to the NFL and they're still associated with that college. Now the portals kind of kind of really you know made that that rare. You know, Caleb Fields, basketball player for Arkansas State, you know, he's been at the program for like six years. Uh, had opportunities to leave, was gonna leave this year. Coach Hodgson brought him back. But he really cemented a legacy at Arkansas State. He will always be known as Caleb Fields of Arkansas State. Now, 
I don't know if you if you get those same kind of legacies, Dusty. To a degree, you do. I mean, if you can come into a program and you can help them uh, lift some hardware, people will remember you, regardless of how long you've been there, whether it's just for that one semester even, or it's a full year, a four-year, five-year, six-year career, or as we've seen on, on some of the weird COVID stuff, a nine-year career at a college. Um, but the, winning fixes everything. Everyone's going to remember the winners. They're not going to remember the guys that come in and kind of get you, eh, we did okay that year. They're definitely going to remember the guys that win. That's going to cement the legacy more than anything. Yeah, I just wonder, like I was saying, you know, as much as we're talking about legacy and stuff too, I just wonder from the standpoint of being a quarterback, how much do you really develop when you're going to learn a brand new system with a brand new coaching staff every single year of your career, but just about, or every other year, if you're Jordan McLeod, I, you know, it took him half the season just to start to really be comfortable at JMU last year. And then he puts up huge numbers towards the end of the season. I, it just makes me wonder if more guys will kind of look at, Hey, my freshman or my sophomore year didn't end quite how I wanted it to, but staying in one place has its advantages too. It does. You know, too, another thing about where McLeod ended up at, at James Madison, he had the good fortune of, of meeting up with coach Signetti, a guy who is kind of known to be a, a quarterback whisperer of sorts, right? Is Kenny also that kind of guy? Does Kenny have the staff to get McLeod up the speed? Now, McLeod, from what I understand, is already enrolled. He'll be playing in spring ball. You know, he's he'll have that little head start uh, that that's pretty crucial. But uh, yeah, I wonder if 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 Kenny is is anywhere close to being that kind of quarterback guy that Signetti was. I mean, right now he's he's a. Uh... He's developing, I think, that kind of track record. His quarterbacks that he's had, he hasn't been a head coach for very long. But the quarterbacks he's had have been really good where where he's been. I I don't worry about that so much. I, I think, you know, when you look at what might have been McLeod's options at this point, this this makes a ton of sense. But let me ask you this though. Knowing that he has bounced around so much, he's had to learn different offenses, different roles. Don't you think that that kind of gives him the leg up of showing that he's ready to play at the next level at the NFL? Because hmm. your game plan is really going to be almost a, an entire new offense week after week. And in some cases, you're having to kind of audible and, and shift gears even midweek right before a game. I think to me, that's going to showcase your maturity and how quickly you can pick up on things. Dusty, I think that's an yeah. interesting idea, but only if he does well at Texas State. If he has a mediocre or sub-mediocre season at Texas State, everybody forgets how good he was at JMU, uh, including NFL scouts. That's my opinion. I don't know that for sure. And I honestly, when he didn't land anywhere in college right away, the longer it went, the more I was thinking he was going to be playing in the CFL Did next year. That? No? That, I mean, the the... The Canadian scouts really like him. He doesn't have NFL size. I don't know if he has NFL arm strength. He, I mean, he's got a decent arm, but he, he's he's a small guy. Um, and he's not – he runs, but he's not lightning fast. I just – he's a really good college quarterback. I don't think NFL scouts are going to drool over him, even if he does show a lot at at um, Texas State. But I think he's got a pro career. There's, there's more leagues, and I think, you know – I know for a fact that CFL scouts were, were a fan of his. Here's what we know for sure, though, guys, is that Texas State has become a better team today than it was yesterday. Yesterday, no flagship quarterback. Today, flagship quarterback. And as much as I loathe to say it because, you know, the Boobcats are the Red Wolves' biggest rival. We hate each other. They're good. They're going to be good this year. They've got a lot of good players on the team. Are they threatening the Sun Belt title? Like some people say, I don't know. I don't think so. I, I honestly don't. I, I feel like that's putting a lot of pressure on that team. But they're going to be good. And McLeod's going to make them better. But, you know, something else happened in the East, the Sun Belt East, that is perhaps even more impactful. And that's Georgia State landing a new head coach. 
the old running backs coach out of Georgia. Dusty, what do you think of this move? I like it. I think it's a good move. It's a guy that's familiar with the area. He's had some time there, obviously, at Georgia. He played at Auburn, spent some time at Georgia Southern. He knows the area, knows how to recruit. He's a local guy from Columbus, Georgia. I like it. Um, do I wish Sean Elliott was still around? Sure. But if they you were going Sean to... <laughs> we, we, we love Sean Elliott, especially yeah. when he's at least uh, you know arm's length away. Um, yeah, not in headbutting distance. But I, I, I think the move is one that can help the Panthers really move their program forward. I'm anxious to see what he can do. I think that this year is maybe kind of shot when it comes to the recruiting. Maybe he can yeah. get some guys late in the portal just of how late and how weird that, that whole situation went down. But I think that the Panthers will be in pretty good shape. I mean, yes, this year, even if Sean Elliott sticks around, they're going to have some struggles, losing their quarterback, losing several other key players. But – this is the right move to rebuild that program and get them back competitive in the East. Shane was getting Del McGee a, a kind of a surprisingly good move for Georgia state, considering the, the quick timing that had to happen. I mean, <laughs> they could have really just dug down into the dredges and just picked out somebody and said, Hey, you're going to be head coach. Instead, they got a pretty pretty marketable-sounding guy, a guy with Georgia connections, a guy that uh, almost seems too good to be true. Yeah, I mean, having the Georgia Bulldogs right down the road, I think probably helps them in this situation because there's got to be guys on that staff who looked at Georgia State <laughs> or you know Georgia Southern or whatever nearby Sunbelt team opened up. There had to be guys on that staff who were thinking, if I want to be a head coach someday – that might be a good stepping stone for me. And, you know, that that's kind of how it worked out. And I think getting a guy who has those connections and those roots and knows the Atlanta area is, is going to be big. I mean, you got to go in there. If Georgia state's going to make a dent in the Atlanta market, they've got to win some games. They've got to recruit. Well, they got to do things and sort of a chicken or egg, which comes first. But I think, they hired a guy who might make people in Atlanta pay attention. And nobody in Atlanta was paying attention to Georgia state football, even when they were pretty decent. That's and I think that's, point. and I think that's, that's a big deal to get somebody who can do that. That is a really good point. Yeah. He, here he comes. He's sort of a local figure, a, a kind of a legend in some ways. What do you, Dusty, how do you think the style of play is going to change? You go from this, this sort of a lineman guy, this guy that's sort of hard-nosed trenches guy, and did a great job building up that Georgia State offensive line. I remember uh, when the Panthers came into the into the uh, into the league, into the Sun Belt Conference, the, 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 they were small in the trenches, and that's where they got beat. And and Sean Elliott did a really good job getting some big skilled guys in there. Now you got the running backs coach from Georgia, Del McGee. Is it going to change to more of a, a speed game? Is it going to be? Is it going? Is it going to be a different type of Georgia State Panthers? I don't know because I think this is his first time to really take over a program and, and kind of call it his own. So I think that he's even going to try to figure out what's that identity look like, knowing his background, knowing that he's offensive minded. Obviously, with his stops there at Georgia, Georgia Southern. I think you're going to see more of a Panthers team that outscores and outgains the opponents than really the defensive three yards in a cloud of dust. But I, I think that you're going to see a heavy offensive focus out of this team. But we don't really know what he's going to do with this being his first uh, tenure as a head coach. Yeah, that's absolutely right. You don't know what he's going to do. You just hope that maybe. If you're Georgia State fans, maybe you get a couple uh, uh, Georgia guys that maybe you wouldn't get normally. I know that they're looking forward to recruiting Atlanta a little harder. Uh, from what I understand, Georgia State has done a really bad job recruiting in their own backyard. So maybe that, maybe Shane's right. This is that opportunity to really finally, be, you know, they call themselves, you know, the 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 Atlanta's team. You know, maybe it's time. Maybe this is it. Maybe that this is that big step they needed to take to do that. Speaking of big steps, guys, we are two more steps, <laughs> kind of, 
to the Sun Belt basketball tournament, Dusty. We've got two more games. I know the Warhawks have played tonight, the Warhawks and the Texas Bobcats. Weird Tuesday night game that I, I, I'm not sure how that happened. But for the most part, everybody else has about two more games. And there's still a little bit of intrigue, right? I mean, I think first and second, they're pretty cemented. But there's still kind of a race between those last two positions, between Louisiana, Troy, and Arkansas State. Dusty, how you liking the shape? How you like the shaping up coming down the stretch? Yeah, so App State, obviously, they get a share of the title with a yeah. win over ODU and outright with that final win. Their last two games are at home. They're fourteen and zero at home. I think yeah. that that Dustin Kearns is, is going to be getting a little bit of hardware. Number two team, I'm kind of calling it as James Madison. They close out the season at Georgia State at Coastal Carolina. The thirteen and three. Troy has an outside shot. They do have a tiebreaker where they had the win over App State. They close out at Louisiana Lafayette and at Texas State at 12 and 4. Arkansas State, outside chance, but that means all hell broke loose on everybody in the top three. They're closing out at Coastal Carolina and at App State. The first round of the conference tournament begins on Tuesday. We're going to see Old Dominion falling. They're one loss away from locking up that number 14 seed. They'll play number 11 ULM in that opener on Tuesday. The other one will be Coastal Carolina and Texas State. Still could possibly see a little bit more of a shakeup, but that's just the way I kind of see it coming down the wire. Shane, who do you think is looking strong coming down the wire? Uh, I think your Red Wolves are looking pretty strong. <laughs> I wasn't fishing for that, but yeah, sure. Okay, well, let, let me put this out here to you, Jeremy. Like, okay. I, I saw some on App State Twitter today. Oh my! They, oh wait, 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 wait! Are you, well, are it you was, antagonizing it was, these guys? No, 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 no. All right, this was right. this was you know your friend Kara with yeah, okay. the kind service for us posted the brackets as they would be if the season ended today. I did notice, and that. and so you know that's out there. And some app states were looking at it. You know, app state, obviously, number one seed. They were looking at that bracket and said, whoa, there's a big difference between being the number one seed and number two seed. And I thought to myself, hey, really? Are you saying that, like, you think it's going to be easy if things play out chalk? Like, you think getting Arkansas State or Southern Miss, if they're healthy, getting one of those two teams in the semifinals is an easy Round? I don't. I don't know necessarily if that's any easier than the other side of the bracket. Just the way teams are playing right now. Yeah, I don't know if there's if there's anybody in the Sun Belt that can't upset somebody else in the Sun Belt. Even Old Dominion, who Dusty felt like was going to make. Was it Dusty? Was it you? The one who thought was going to make that that Old Dominion might make a little run. I I I still stand by that, but I am mm -hmm. definitely uh, cringing and glad that I put no money on it. <laughs> yeah, but still, they 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 play tough. You know, no, nobody's really lying down in the Sun Belt, which is really cool. Uh, yeah, my Red Wolves are, are, are. I think they've won five straight, and you know, seven of the last eight or something like that. They seem to be peaking at the right time. Uh, not necessarily getting healthier, but but maybe getting a little more acquainted with each other, and that's a lot of fun. I'm going to throw at JMU a little bit. You know, JMU, you you had said earlier that that the Dukes need to blow out some of these opponents. And that hasn't happened, Shane. So well, is it a matter of Sunbelt competition stiffening up? Or is that a matter of the Dukes getting a little tired down the stretch? Well, they were blowing people out until they had to avoid <laughs> getting blown out by by Georgia Southern. Had, that was a crazy game. 19 down. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the blowouts, the, the, you know, improving those efficiency numbers helps them if they're going to be an at-large team, which still a long shot, but they're starting to get discussed by more and more bracketologists. You're seeing them in the, uh, the next four or, or the next, next four out on some yeah. of these. Um, yeah. So, I mean, if they do, get on a run here where they start really crushing some teams up until the semifinals, let's say that that's four, three or four games where they, you know, really, really look good. That will help them. 
but I think the main thing is that they are on a winning streak. They're playing as well as they've played this season right now. And, you know, they would rather not leave any doubt and just win the Sunbelt tournament. And I think they're capable of doing that. Yeah. 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 They'll be in good position to do it. Dusty, are the Cajuns kind of falling apart a little bit? Yeah, unfortunately. So I, I don't know uh, what's going on with the Cajuns, but they have, uh, Look like they peaked for the yeah, season. I agree. And while they do have a kind of split decision, probably going to be kind of a tough uh, closeout of the season, though, hosting Troy, hosting Southern Miss, those are two of the top teams in the league. I know Troy, we had mentioned, would come in probably at the number three slot, Southern Miss, somewhere right in the middle of the pack. But the, the Eagles are not an easy out. And, and so I think that uh, the Cajuns are definitely going to have their work cut out for them. And it's all a matter of can they at least split those games to try to get some momentum as they get ready to roll into Pensacola. Yeah, Southern Miss has – forgive me if I screw up this name, Shane. You'll just have to correct me on it. Cabello? Andre Curbelo. Yeah, yeah. He's actually starting to make a difference for those guys. You know, he's back on the court, and I see that he, he's, he's, he's doing pretty well. So it would be interesting if these next two games he really sort of gels with the team and then the and then the Southern Miss gets hot going into the tournament. All right, guys, what is the one team that is not going to be hot going into the tournament? Who's going to be the coldest team going into the tournament? Uh, Go ahead, Shane. <laughs> yeah, Shane. I mean, might be a two-team race between – uh, the Warhawks and the, and the Beach Chickens. Oh, okay. I yeah, I don't know. All Man, right. I, I say that maybe Coastal uh, upset JMU and and really uh, really disrupt some things. But uh, well, here's what I'm a little worried about: Coastal Carolina, Shane. It's it's Cliff Ellis's last two games, right? He's already out. I think He's done. Oh, I thought I thought he was. Oh, why did I think he was still? I thought he's coaching for the end of the year. Why did I think? That? Are you being serious, or is this just yes? Like a I'm minute? being serious. I thought Cliff Ellis. <laughs> no, was... He retired in November. <laughs> Holy shit! I don't know why I thought that. Well, yeah, I, we hadn't played him, so I, I didn't think about. That. Lay off the scotch, Jeremy. No, I need more scotch. It's clear. <laughs> I forget why I just said about Coastal Carolina. They suck. They're cold. They're as cold as ice. ULM, do you really think ULM is 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 going to be one of the colder teams? Dusty, come on, defend these guys. No, um, <laughs> I think that they're going to take their lumps here to close out the season, and uh, that that's going to be all she wrote. I think it's going to be a one and done. Maybe getting past Old Dominion in that opening round of the Sun Belt Conference because they did beat Old Dominion in the regular season at o- ODU. Yeah. So maybe they do get into that second round where they get to play the buzzsaw of the Cajuns in that second round. Crazier things have happened. But yeah, I, I think the Warhawks are, are definitely uh, flying on clipped wings. Ooh. So the yeah, way that's your opening round game, I mean, let's be honest. Like, that's two teams who are wondering who their head coach is going to be next year. <laughs> and it's kind, of, it's kind of a matter of who responds best to like playing the string out to that. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. It's like a relegation game because I think you could also make that same argument in, in the other potential opening round game of Coastal and Texas State. Is TJ kind of fighting for his life in that mm-hmm. game as well? Yeah, yeah. You know, I haven't heard like I hadn't heard any rumbling about TJ's job being in danger, but doesn't it have to be? <laughs> I mean, the last three seasons have not been good. How have they not What's been the good? Last two seasons. Two seasons. Okay, last yeah. two seasons. Yeah. So, okay. I mean, Dusty, you're closer to that than the rest of us. Is that hey, the vibe around, around around San Marcos? Like, I hadn't really heard much about that. I, I kind no, of figured he'd get another year. Yeah, I, I, I think he gets the one more year. Um, there there really haven't been any grumblings I've, I've heard about. No. That's just kind of outside speculation looking in. But, yeah, something's got to give there because he's shown that he can win. Whether or not you believe those are his players or anything else in this day and age of the portal, it doesn't matter. No one is your kids anymore. And so you just got to win, baby, win. And and I think that that's what he really needs to get back to is just kind of being that over-the-top showman that we saw in his uh, inaugural season. 
as head coach and during his interim head head coaching season to get the Bobcats back to being uh, relevant in Sunbelt Conference basketball. Let me just throw this out here. Bobcats head basketball coach Cliff Ellis. I don't think you could peel him off the beach. Yeah. I don't think I don't think Cliff Ellis is coaching anything other than maybe like a great grandkids um, <laughs> youth team anymore. I tie basketball. <laughs> Women's side, not much drama, right? It's still it's still pretty much twenty four seven Marshall thundering herd. So Marshall, Marshall you're number one today. Yeah, which is phenomenal for a team that was predicted to finish ninth in the preseason yeah. poll. Troy, they get a closeout against App State, South Alabama. I think that it's pretty safe to say that they should close out at the number two seed. And then number three is really going to be the winner of that Old Dominion and James Madison game, where mm-hmm. we could actually see the Dukes slide into the number four slot. Uh-oh. Well, they they're, they need their big Russians to step up. They're two big Russians. Layoff Scott, Jeremy. They need the one big Russian to, uh, oh, it's one to get game. healthy and play. She's missed four games and um, <laughs> maybe may back. I think, you know, the big thing for JMU is they're they're pretty much locked into either three or four at this point. They're the one team that's beaten Marshall. So being the four seed, maybe it's not too bad if you're if you're JMU. So like there's not there's not as much intrigue, I don't think, on the women's side, really. Yeah. I think we, we know kind of where a- everybody's going to be and we kind of know who to expect to win some games in the tournament. There is a divide. Guys, guess what's we haven't reached 10 games in baseball. But baseball season is is in full swing, Dusty. I think that's that we can say that, right? It, baseball season's a home run right now. It, it it's 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 here. We're in the middle of it. And uh, I don't know, we're seeing some pretty good wins from Sunbelt baseball. We're seeing some some uh, some wins. Unless you play a purple team. Go on, Dusty. Explain. Elaborate. Oh, I mean, it, it's it's always a fantastic day when you can lose a uh, midweek game to a lower tiered Southland Conference school on your home field. <laughs> Are you talking about my Red Wolves? Did they I lose? would never. I would never say that. <laughs> I thought they were undefeated. They Our were. They not undefeated it? anymore. The Did Sugar Bears took it out on them. Eight to four. Oh, no. What was that? After 12 minutes? Oh. Well, I, you know. It was a good run there, Jeremy. It was a good run. You know, Arkansas State picked the finish last in the Sun Belt. So losing eight to four in extra innings to UCA is probably what they were fated to do anyway. I said it tongue-in-cheek. Midweek games don't mean anything. Sure, it's great when you can get that midweek game when you're beating an SEC opponent or whatever. But things happen midweek. That's where you get to play with your roster. You get to kind of see how your freshmen are going to respond against some live uh, non-inter-squad pitching, what they're going to do in different situations. They're exhibition games during the week. Really, until the conference slate starts here in about another month, it doesn't really matter, Jeremy. You're probably right about that. I will say this. It always hurts to lose a midweek game or any game if it is a in-state rival like UCA or if uh, ULM was playing like McNeese or something. That would be like – it, it hurts a little bit when it's in-state, right? Even if you feel like it's it's more of an exhibition. Like you said, which I think is an interesting way to put it. Shane, would you put it that way? Would you say that those midweek games are more exhibi- exhibition – I don't know if they are necessarily for for every team, if that makes <laughs> sense. Yes, it does. I, so, I mean, I don't – JMU, for instance, doesn't play Virginia, but if they did, Virginia is a high-ranking ACC team that is going to focus much more on trying to win weekend series against other high-ranking ACC teams mm-hmm. and they're not going to pitch their best guy mm-hmm. on a Wednesday in Harrisonburg. And it's, it gets to be a little bit more exhibition like that, but you know, and the probably that probably holds true for, you know, some of the top tier Sunbelt teams too. Cause this is not, 
This yeah. is basically a power conference in baseball. But on the flip side of that, if you got a program like Arkansas State or JMU or these ones that are trying to get to that level, yeah. any win you claim against you know a team in the midweek, whether it be an in-state team like a Central Arkansas or if it's you get to go play Virginia Tech or or Mississippi State or whatever on a on a midweek like that that ends up being a big deal for those programs. Yeah, but for you know, the ones that are really in the mix for the NCAA tournament, the selection committee is going to look a lot at like, did you yeah. win your series when you're playing Friday, mm-hmm. Saturday, Sunday? What's your what's your starting pitching rotation like? Things like that. Absolutely, and it does make a difference. Yeah, Arkansas State beat Ole Miss a couple Tuesdays ago, and we felt pretty good about that. But I don't think Ole Miss really lost much sleep. So yeah, yeah. and you know, JMU goes to Arkansas and plays four games for some reason. I don't know why that was a four game. Yeah, series. wow. But they go one and three, and probably both teams are like, wow, good weekend. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. A win for everyone. <laughs> uh, so, Dusty, who's looking good in baseball right now? Who's on top? I know South Alabama's been looking pretty good. Coastal Carolina ranked, uh, beating teams like by 20 runs. It's been a little crazy for them. Coastal Carolina, pretty good. Uh, six and two right now, definitely ranked. I saw them put a shellacking on somebody on yes. Sunday afternoon. It was a lot to like two. I don't even remember what the score was. It was it was, it was not good baseball at that two. point. Yeah, no. Who wants to see that? <laughs> Arkansas State. They are uh, right there at the top with Troy. Both teams sitting at eight and one. App State at seven and one. South Alabama seven and one as well. Coastal Carolina, six and two. I think that though they're taking their lumps and playing maybe a little bit over their heads to try to push that team a little bit more and drive up that that RPI ranking and, and get them ready. That if they can hang with these ACC schools or these other big name schools, then when they get to the Sun Belt, they've already seen kind of the nation's best. And so they're they're comfortable and ready to go from right there. Marshall bringing up the rear at one and seven. I did find out, though, their stadium should be open for Sunbelt Conference action. So when the real season begins, maybe heard baseball will be back. Let me ask you this, Dusty. Is it just me, or does Rice dust the Cajuns every year? It just seems like every time those guys play, Rice is beating them. I don't that's understand. a very touchy subject to say Rice because that's an old good baseball rivalry. Uh-huh. But then when you bring up dusting, it brings up a whole philosophical discussion about dusting oh. crawfish versus oh. boiling the crawfish. Wow, I did not know that there was like two camps in this. So yeah, there's a there's a very sensitive subject matter oh. that you have brought up there, Jeremy. Oh, I need to be careful. Am I going to be in shame territory where I have just a fan I mean, base come after me? Very much Explain so. Explain this for a non-Louisiana. Yeah. How do you dust yeah. crawfish? What, what the hell are you I saying? like crawfish, but your I don't know boil, what dusting it is. Your boil should be all the spice you need to absorb into the meat so that when you're eating it, you're uh, eating the spice as opposed to there's some spice in the water, but then we put them in the ice chest and we sprinkle the Tony Sacheries, slap your mama, uh, whatever on them. I see. Uh-huh. Okay. You dust them. That makes sense to me. Now, were you named after this process? Like whether you have to sauce your ribs or not. Yes, I guess. Kansas City guy. No, I was not named after dusting. Okay. I thought maybe. Wouldn't that be cool, though, if that's what you were named after? the, The very process that you take pride in? Guys, tell me a little bit about softball. Arkansas State without a softball team, that means I don't pay attention at all. How's Sunbelt Softball doing? Six teams in double-digit wins. Headlined by Troy. Wow. Headlined by Troy, Texas Mm -hmm. State, Georgia Southern, ULM, James Madison, South Alabama, Georgia State bringing up the rear at 5 and 11 Southern Miss just a hair better at five and eight. The Raging Cajuns is probably the most surprising team, the preseason favorite. They are sitting at eight and nine right now overall. Oh my God. Huh. 
but I haven't surprised- looked too closely. I'm guessing they play a pretty tough schedule. Yeah, they ha- they have. They uh, just left. I believe it was Texas for a little round robin tournament where they played the Longhorns, Colorado State, and I forget who the other opponent was. But that's the crazy thing, Jeremy. You talked about man, they're already in double digit wins. Softball will will play almost a triple header. It seems like, especially in these early months, oh, where wow. where they're just hammering games left and right to uh, kind of get get the season kicked off. Well, and sometimes, you know, especially at this time of year when weather is so unpredictable, I wonder if you try to cram as many games on a good day as he can just to just to get the games in. And you don't have to rest your pitcher for a week like they can pitch the next day. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Or they can or they can start one game in the morning and close out another one in the afternoon. No kidding. Gosh, I would have thought that throwing motion was just as hard on the arm as any uh, as an overhead. No, it's a lot easier. Oh, okay. Well, that shows you what that shows you what I know about softball because uh, I know nothing. I would like, guys. I would like to one day know something about it. In fact, I would yeah. be very, very, uh, very happy to learn something about that at some point, perhaps someday. Arkansas. State. So, who are you going to adopt then as your softball team, there, Jeremy? Since your Red Wolves do not have a program, ULM. It sounds like they're doing pretty good. Were they in the top five of the Sun Belt standings right now? Yeah, they're right. Yeah, up there. all right. I'll make the Warhawks my team. Why not? You there know. we go. All right. I love them. Dusty, Great. what's the now time? We're cursed. For? <laughs> Don't you feel like it's time for something, Dusty? It's time something for this. Good? I know that we had talked previously about having a beer tasting oh my God. of okay. the different beers around the Sun Belt. Well, mm-hmm. Troy doesn't want to participate in it. They instead have come out with their own brand of wine. Wine? Wine. Oh, oh my God. Alabama wine. Mm. <laughs> what a great partnership. <laughs> and on that I note, know. we go into plugs, promos, and party yeah. shots. God. Jeremy, please tell us what you have. All right. So, somebody, you know, sometimes you read through the Twitters, the Xers, the Twixers, whatever you want to call it. And somebody came up with, uh, you know, one of these dumb questions. And I usually don't answer them because I think they're stupid. But it was like, what's the one sports take that makes everybody angry at you? It was essentially what it was. And I, I kind of have two, and they they some in some ways both involve major league baseball. One is mic'd up players. You know, they, they put the mic on the outfield or whatever, and they chat with him during the whole inning or whatever. I hate that. I cannot stand that. I find baseball players, especially, to be incredibly boring because they're out there playing baseball. They're not doing anything interesting to me at that moment. They're standing in the field, right? There's nothing fascinating that's going on. So it all relies on their sense of humor or their charm. And a lot of these guys aren't charming or full of humor. And you know why? They're not comedians. They're baseball players. Let them play baseball. Let us watch them play baseball. I don't care what their inner monologue is going to be. The other thing that, 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 that I get not upset with, but a lot of people get really high on spring training. Like, like, oh, the catchers and pitchers are here. Oh, the exhibition game between the Dodgers. Who gives a shit about these games? Why are we forced to look and watch these games and think they matter at all? They don't. It's practice. The Half these guys are getting cut. It's like preseason football. And yet people have this romantic idea about spring training. Oh, it's in Arizona. Oh, it's in Florida. Oh, they're playing amongst the cactus. Who cares? It's meaningless. It's nothing. And that's my. I'm that's with my, you. I'm with you on this to a to a degree. I, I have some interest in spring training and who looks okay. good and who might make the team and stuff like that. But w- I'll tell you what I hate. Yeah. That you know I, I have you know alerts from the Athletic or ESPN or whoever like on my yeah. phone for my favorite teams. Like they'll give me sure. the scores, and I yeah. get spring training scores. I can't stand that. Don't, I don't care what the score of the spring training game was. And that is the last thing that I care about. Like, it's, you know, if you want to tell mean. me that, if you want to tell me that the draft pick threw seven innings and looked decent, fine. But I don't care if it ended up being six to five or not. Like, no, I don't need to know that. I don't care. Let me know when it's opening day. I'll wake up. I'll watch. But I don't need it. I don't need to be watching the practice games. Dusty, you're a baseball man. I mean, you worked in the pros for a while. Do you feel the same way I feel? Uh, 
Yeah, I, I didn't really, really care too much for spring training. It wow. was uh, basically moving to South Florida for several months and mm-hmm. trying to juggle two different facilities, if not more, to get ready for that. It was kind of cool to see the guys that uh, you would see as prospects kind of coming around and, and uh, making a name for themselves kind of before anyone else really knew who they were. So yeah. uh, that was cool. But, yeah, for the most part, uh, not a fan. You know what's my favorite part about uh, spring training is the storyline. It's always like the old grizzled veteran who's on like a new team, and everybody keeps talking about how he's providing all this leadership and and he's found the fountain of youth. He's doing really well. It looks like he looks like a new guy out there. And then the next article is, oh, he's been cut. <laughs> it's like he never lasts. Oh, Pinky Cavalia, he looks great. <laughs> he's really Pinky providing Cavalia. a lot of leadership to a young team. He's found the fountain yeah. of youth. He hit a home run. Oh, he's cut. I, I may reveal a sports writer secret here that, Ooh. you know, sometimes you find those stories that you really want to write. Yeah. Because like you said, like it is looking good and you're just racing to get it in before something <laughs> changes. That means it won't be relevant at all. <laughs> and, and and as a sports writer, aren't you just looking for a story? Like you need something. And what's a better storyline than Pink, Pete Incavalia having a great spring training at the age of 39? I mean, that's okay. I did it this week. Like I talked to Keith Gill about teams being on the bubble and him being yeah. on the selection committee and stuff. And I was sitting around on Friday and like, you know what? I should write this and get it online because JMU could lose on Saturday. <laughs> That's right. And then it's completely irrelevant. My favorite stories I write are the ones that completely curse the team. Like I'll be like, oh, yeah, the Red Wolves are playing really hot. They're really on their way. And then that six-game losing streak. And you're like, fuck, shouldn't have done that. Dusty, I'm handing it off to you. Even though you're the one doing the dishing, I'm handing it off. No, no, wait, Dusty, let's do you last because you always have a good one at the end. Let's make sh- let's force Shane to do the next one, Dusty, okay. because Shane's never prepared. He never has anything ready to go. Maybe let it'll be just right. plug, Let me just plug DNR online. No, I do I do come up with these on the fly, whether it be a plug or what. I but you'll see that I did come up with this on the fly because Ooh, talking about okay. crawfish or I always called them crawdads growing Ooh, up. Okay. But like Makes me think. I really like them. There's like maybe one place within an hour of me that I know I could go get some. Yeah. So I'm asking our loyal listeners and you guys and whoever wants to, else wants to answer this. What's the kind? What are some foods that sometimes you just have a real craving for, huh. and you can't get it where you are? Oh. I would say it's you know crawdads. It's burnt ends. From Kansas City, yeah. I wish I could get mm. those where I am. I know some people are like, you know, I only eat pizza from New York or whatever. But like for you guys, for anybody who's listening and wants to hit us up on socials, like what's the food that you sometimes just really, really want and you can't just walk to your nearest like nearest store or restaurant and get it? Authentic New England clam chowder. Like I spent some really? time in Maine and it was so good. It was like a different experience. Like it's not like you know you get the the hungry man or the chunky soup, uh, 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 clam chowder, and you pour it into your pot and you heat it up and you're like, oh, this is pretty good. Real authentic Maine clam chowder cannot be beat. That's mine, Dusty. That's not what I was expecting. That's good. <laughs> Y'all have never made the pilgrimage to ULM to experience Johnny's Pizza. It is not the best when you're there and you you have free access to it. But now there's so many days where I'm watching Warhawk games on ESPN Plus and I'm the commercial comes on and I'm just like, oh, it's gonna hurt. But we're we're making a road trip this weekend just to go for Johnny's Pizza. Exactly. <laughs> forget the family. Forget everyone else. We're going. Hey, just, remember just for being the pizza. broke. Remember being broke, like just after college or whatever, and you buy those Tostino pizzas. And they, I love they, they those like, oh man, and you know they were just full of crap, and you just yeah. oh, you just put them down. Yeah, I, that's that not was my. I, I base inflation. I like judge inflation by how much a Totino's pizza like costs because it used to be a dollar. Now they're <laughs> almost like a dollar. Now they're almost two. <laughs> okay. Do you ever see yeah. those old like soup? I don't know if you have a Kroger shade, but uh, they have like yeah. these 
supermarket branded pizzas. It's, it's basically just a piece of French bread with some cheese on it and some pepperoni. And they freeze it and then you can, and they're like, they're like a dollar a piece. Do you ever see those? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, those are... I'm, I'm kind of a frozen pizza aficionado. So, uh, now, are you a snob or do you like any frozen pizza? I like just about any kind of pizza and like, mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, I'm not a snob necessarily, but if I buy a cheap one, I will. <laughs> uh, this is <laughs> we'll get we're getting into the weeds here. I'll, I'll jazz it up. I've got you know Italian seasoning in the drawer. Oh, maybe dust put, it. My, put a little bit of my own cheese on too, and like make it make it decent. So uh, I never really thought about jazzing up a frozen pizza, like putting in my own special ingredients. I should start yeah, doing that. That's your own like garlic powder and some oregano yeah. and stuff on there, and it all of a sudden it's not bad. You you would be surprised. Yeah, so Suddenly, you've cooked. You haven't just heated up something. You've actually, you actually cooked. Yeah. Dusty, what do you have? Like, I feel like I've taken over uh, 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 plugs, promos, and parting shots. It Dusty happens. was, yeah. So, we have spring football coming up, but more That's importantly, true. we actually have longevity of the popping of pads with the new UFL coming up in about a month. Okay, And this is exciting. I think it's an 18 league. Sprinkled mm -hmm. in there, though, are some pretty good former Sunbelt Conference players. Uh, I believe you're right. People like C.J. Marable playing for yeah. the Birmingham Stallions. Mm -hmm. Arlington is going to have Stephen Jones Jr., the old App State defensive back, as well as quarterback and former offensive uh, 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 analyst for Texas State, Lindsey Scott Jr. Wow. <laughs> Someone from Shane's neck of the woods playing for the Michigan Panthers defensive end, Ron Dell Carter. Okay. Look at the look of Shane. He's like, oh, yeah, I know yeah, him. Yeah. And Carter. more importantly, in St. Louis, we have the GOAT of Troy, Brandon Silvers, returning <laughs> to the league at Silvers. quarterback. So on but wait, here no, is in, the Memphis Showboats in that? I forget. Are the, the Memphis, Memphis Showboats are in there. The good old Birmingham. Yeah, Jay State Adams. Team. Yeah, I think Jay Adams from Arkansas State is playing for them. So that's cool too. Yeah, go on. Yeah, there, 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 there's a sprinkling of uh, mm -hmm. uh, Sun Belt Conference players throughout this uh, eight-team league. So it'll be exciting to see. I forget. Uh, I think it's NBC maybe that's carrying the games when they're on. So uh, be sure to check it out towards the end of March when it's uh showtime. So Dusty, you know, the showboats are in Memphis. That's pretty much near my neck of the woods. My brother Rex Steele lives in Memphis. He loves the showboats and they have something called the captain's club where everybody wears like a captain's hat and they yell ahoy. And I thought that was great. I want to be part of the captain's club for the showboats. What would you do with a little captain and you? <laughs> Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.